So when he gave me this vision, this calling right here, he said the Father has called us into fellowship with the Son. How many of you believe that there's something in you that hasn't got out yet? Talking about God, your destiny, the new thing. He said there's always, always, there's always, there always seems like someone screaming on the inside, just ready to get out. That's a frustrating place to be. And the only thing that can unlock that scream or settle that scream is revelation. You've got to have revelation that will tie you to his mindset and where you are. Are you still in the church? Are you a slave to ministry? Are you a son? Are you a bride? Are you a glorious son? There's a difference between the son and a glorious son. So the call we invite his eye in. In the trial, he removes our eye for his. He's removing our character for his character. And listen, you can't do it without revelation. If he's beckoning you to fellowship, then you've already got some revelation because he won't call you in until he's given you something to meditate on. Then he, in, in the perfecting, he roots himself in the soul. In the establishing, he is grounding himself in the soul. And in the strengthening, he is strengthening himself in the soul. So these are three very important positions, and they work together. And that's called the rest. Now, we talk about our rest season. When we go into that rest, this is what we're going into. And then we're settled in him. Remember he said, if you be in me and if I be in you, you shall ask anything you desire and it shall be done for you. That means you had nothing to do with it. This vision here, this cycle right here is a cycle of death, burial, and resurrection. So you go from death to burial, to resurrection, over and over again, to get to glory, from glory to glory. So it takes grace to die. See, that's the thing. People don't realize it takes grace to die. It took Jesus' favor to get to that cross. So when God exposes things in us, grace just showed up. And we think we've done something wrong. But it takes grace to die. It takes grace to bury it. It takes grace to rise up from that dead place. And how do you activate grace? Obedience. How do you activate faith? Action. So you're actually building a house for God. God wants a spotless bride for his son that's raised up in holy power, a resurrection power. Every time we open up our mouth, demons should come out without laying hands on nobody. And that's what this vision does it brings you into relationship with him this order here will bring you into maturity if you go by the order if you know when you're suffering because the first sign of a trial is what the thought comes that's the first sign that god is about to put the devil in judgment that has trespassed this temple and he is in my soul now if you don't want to be a part of that event then you just meditate on the word that he gave you before that thought came because the thought would have never came 
unless God has revealed a truth to you first. And the word can judge him without you even knowing it. There's an internal spiritual surgery that can happen with the word of God without you having to go through hell and trials with the devil and judgment with the devil. God has called us to peace, not confusion, not fear, not anger. He said, I've called you to peace. He told his disciples, a peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. He's talking about the soul. Let not your soul be troubled, nor let it be afraid. So we are so focused on what we, we can do for God that we aren't aware of the grace at hand. God has to get you to hate where you are before he can take you something new. Because if you don't hate it, you won't let it go. I call it drying up on the vine. You start drying up on the vine, you're going to hate some things around you. The Lord said, I will shake up where you are in order to make you move to another place. You can't take Moab to meet Boaz. It's amazing how we want to hold on to Moab. You'll never meet Boaz with Moab around. Sowing to your sinful nature. See, see, a person who lacks discipline lives below the line. So it takes order, instruction, and discipline. I, he said, stay with me till I cut you, or cut you for a while. He's cutting things off. That's why it's painful. We're gonna, I'm going to break this thing down now on calling. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. The message. Just think, you don't need a thing. You've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for your master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the final. And not only that, but God himself right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are wrapped all up by Jesus. God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son, our master. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. So what he's doing, the spiritual journey, he's bringing you into relationship with the son. Go to 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful and reliable and trustworthy, therefore ever true to his promises, and he can be depended on. By him you are called into companionship and participation with his son. One was the Message Bible, and this is the Amplified. So the calling is to call us into fellowship with Jesus. I tell people all the time, we bumped into him and got saved, but we don't know the one we bumped into. We called on his name, not his person, and got saved. But now we're calling on his person. So the trial, pain, has to be your teacher, not a source of bitterness. It's here in the trial that God removes the lies and replaces it with his truth. And listen, he's not going to give you a new truth, a new revelation in the trials. He's expecting you to use the one you got before you got to that trial. So out of ignorance, we miss it. We miss it because it's all about us and not about him. When we miss it, we say, nobody goes through this like I do. We got to realize that God has called us to a rest. His rest doesn't mean don't work. So in the perfecting, we enter his rest. We're establishing his rest and we're strengthening his rest. Let's look at Luke 21, 19. By your steadfastness and patience endurance, you shall win the true life of your soul. You can't possess the soul when something else is possessing it. The lie, the person that carries the lie that we're in soul tie with because of that lie. So what's the rest? 
What is the rest of God? The rest of God is to be free from worry, anxiety, fear, because you're in a worry-free kingdom. The process is not a process to get you saved. It's a process of being saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18, let's look at that. For the message of the cross is fullness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. The only way that you can be saved is you've got to introduce the power of God. You have to introduce the kingdom of God. That's the power. So the Spirit got saved and justified. So we have a bunch of churches with a justified spirit and a Gentile mind. What is a Gentile mind? It's lost. It still thinks you got saved, but you still think the old way. So when you have a Gentile mind and a justified spirit and you enter into sin, you will justify that sin till Jesus comes back. So this vision here takes you out of church into the kingdom experience. We teach on the kingdom. When you teach on the kingdom, it pulls you out of church. It's a power. It's a vacuum. And it's an anointing coming from the anointed one to pull you into fellowship with him. It pulls you out of church and causes you to walk in power and dominion. What is man's greatest need? To have power over his circumstance. The kingdom of God gives you your life back. The life before the fall. That's what the kingdom does. It gives you your life back. So that you have power and dominion over circumstances when it comes your way. When you have power and dominion over circumstances, you don't have to enter into that circumstance. It's in Mark 4. Satan comes immediately at teaching on the kingdom of God. The kingdom pulls you out of religious activity and gives you a new perspective of authority in this earth. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom may devour. So he's not coming to devour everybody. He's seeking whom he may devour. He tries to devour the one who's teaching on the kingdom. And listen, every time the devil gets involved with you, if you're teaching on the kingdom, God's using that nasty devil to multiply you. Every time he's come against me, God multiplied me. The blessing outweighed the battle. So when the enemy comes to those who are teaching the kingdom, he comes to devour those who come in the name of the Lord. Listen, if you get the kingdom, you will never have to worry about a rent payment or a mortgage payment. If you get the kingdom, you'll never have another financial deficit. You get your life back to walk in the fullness of God. The process removes all other gods. And in that process, you're going to be alone till he gets finished with you. And then he can trust you with the mate he has prepared for you. He can trust you with the finances you need to never be broke again. He removes soul ties. That's the biggest thing in the church is soul ties. You can't possess your soul while tied to someone else. That's what that trial is doing. It's cutting everything off. You can't possess your soul when you're tied to your past. You can still have a church mindset. You can still do the things that church people do. And not even know you're still tied to your past. Because it's church. Soul ties. This is what the Lord said. He said when they evaluate every future relationship out of a previous context. 
that's a sign that we are still tied to that last relationship. I'm going to break it down for you. God gave you the person that, that he wants you to have, but you can't get the last person out of your mind. That's a soul tie. Do you get that? That's the biggest thing we have to deal with in the church, bring the church from the kingdom, is soul ties. Because the soul has tried everything to get satisfied. And we think love will do it. Love will never satisfy you. The word does not say God's love satisfies us. It's the word of God. that sat It's truth. It's not his love. It's truth that satisfies the soul. And truth can only be given out of love, which is the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. So, so you've got to let go of things. So the awareness of love, 1 Peter 5.10 in the Message Bible. That's what this is based on. This vision is based on 1 Peter 5.10. In the Message Bible, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep up your guard. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ glorious plans they are, will have you put together on your feet for good. So what he's saying right there is revelation will have feet. Zechariah 12.10 And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. That's what I want you to see right there. Grace is a spirit. Grace is not man. God sends the spirit of grace to work through a man. To be a blessing to you. So suffering doesn't last forever. This is how God unfolds his plan. This is how transformation and renewal take place, Pastor. This is a romantic symphony. Let's look at 1 Peter 5.10 in the Amplified Version. And after you had suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who imparts blessing and favor who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete, make you what you ought to be, establish, ground you securely, and strengthen you and settle you. This is the manifold grace of God that the Bible talks about. On an engine, you have a manifold. That manifold directs the fuel to a cylinder, and then it fires off. This is the manifold grace of God, that's directing fuel to each position in Christ. You'll never know how to grow up until you know the order and instruction of God. We have a manifold grace of God that's supplying a single source from the throne of God to carry us into our trial. That's why trials come unexpected. You can't plan on it. When you surrender here to the call and the fellowship, Grace steps in. The spirit of grace steps in, picks you up and carries you, and you're just enjoying Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the unexpected happens. Favor just carried you into that trial. So don't let the devil beat you up anymore. Favor 
carried you into that trial. 2 Timothy 1.9. So don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me, his prisoner, Paul is saying this. Take share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us. We can only keep on going after all by the power of God who first saved us. Now he's called us into a holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. But we know it now since the appearance of our Savior. Nothing could be plainer. Death defeated, life vindicated, and a steady blaze of light all through the work of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? This is a steady blaze of light happening as we make this rotation. Romans eleven twenty nine, For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once he's given them. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives. His grace or to whom he sends his call. So I don't care how bad you've messed up. You're always going to have that gift and calling. There's always going to be that beckoning. He said the gifts and callings are, are unconditional. But authority is conditional. This is how you gain authority. You have power already when you come into this calling. Because when you got saved, you got a power. And the church has power. But we need authority. The calling to authority demands what? Surrender. This has nothing to do with obedience. When we come to this position, when we come up to this position saying, Jesus, I just want a relationship with you. First thing he's going to tell you to do, surrender. Once we say yes to God, yes to the relationship, not ministry. We don't say yes to ministry because it's already in you. That's the gift. We say yes to relationship. We release the grace of God that, that is tailored. When we, when we say yes, we release the grace of God that's tailored to carry me into the trial. It's not the same grace that saved you. This grace is manifold. So it's so easy to say yes to God, not knowing that the grace of God is ushering me in to death. That's where your flesh is dealt with, is in that trial. Escorting us into the suffering of Jesus. He said, if you don't partake of my suffering, you'll never partake of my resurrection. So it takes favor to suffer. So don't complain when trouble comes. Because when you complain, the favor just ascended and the destroyer just descended now you're going to stay in that trial for a year because he's feeding off your pain year after year same pain so the trial you can put this in your mind because it's a mindset the trial is a highly favored position how many times people say oh you're highly favored then they see in your try in the trial and they say uh you're not here you are highly favored in that trial. Philippians 3, 8 through 11 in the Message Bible. Suffering. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing him, as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going on for me is insignificant 
now dog dung. It's amazing when God speaks to you or gives you a revelation. Nothing compares to it. No material thing, no person compares to what you feel, what you're experiencing. All things that you were, that were once important to you are now gone. So he said we move from accepting the call to fellowship to the call to get Egypt out of us. That's the call in that position to get bondage out of me. I was freed up from bondage at regeneration, but the residue of bondage is still in me. The character of bondage is still in me. So it's the call to removing the curse of the law out of the mind. It's so rewarding to get out of works and be in his rest and be led by him. You'll find it's easier to enter his rest then uphold these religious works. We do not have to perform for Jesus. He's already performed for us. So out of relationship, he gives you authority. It's a covenant-cutting ceremony in your trial. Sin is exposed and grace enters in. So think about this. The grace that carried me to the trial is not the same grace that's going to take me out of the trial. That gives you hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, as but for a moment, is working for you a far more exceedingly great eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things, how many times do we want to look at the things that are seen in that trial? Man, they're right in our face. <laughs> That person's in my face. My bills are in my face. <laughs> Everything is right there in my face. My broke, broke down car is in my face. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God is showing you something different in your trial. Romans 8.18. But what of that? I consider the suffering to this present time, this present life, not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be, that is about to be, revealed in me, revealed to me, and on me. He said, when faith and grace have hit the same target. So you see, grace and faith have to hit the same target on every one of these positions. He said, when faith and grace have hit the same target, there will not be a misfire. A misfire happens when we let go of faith and embrace fear. How many times we do that in trial? I mean, all of us have done that. Fear cancels out grace period the favor that i need to get out of this trial has just been canceled because i embraced fear because i took my eyes from up there to right there we fall short of the glory of god hebrews 12:15 exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure god's grace his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, hatred shoots forth, causing trouble and torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled. Grace just got canceled. Bitterness shot forth. This is where he says, don't call me Lord if you're not going to obey me. So through obedience, we release grace. And that grace is tailored to release fuel to position me in this new cylinder of position. He's perfecting. 
What's he perfecting? The word. See, in the trial, the word gets planted. In the perfecting, the word gets what? Rooted. What does grounded mean? Built up. Established, built up. Grounded means built up. First John 2, 5. If someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way we, we only way to be sure that we are in God. And anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. The love of God has to be perfected. Because he says, perfect love cast out all fear. That this is where we perceive that we are in him and he is now in us at a measure. How will you know that now he is in us? You've entered that rest. You've entered that rest. This is when you know that the tongue has been tamed at a measure. Because when love is perfected, you have dominion. James 3, 2. We all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, never says anything wrong. He has fully developed character, a perfect man, able to control his whole body and curb his entire. So it's possible for us to not say something wrong. Because with the revelation comes discernment. Because you can have truth and no discernment and say the wrong things and the wrong timing. So you are now in control of your life controlling you in the area that was dealt with in the trial. As we said before, this is man's greatest need is to be able to control a circumstance. Just by speaking to it, you can change it. The kingdom gives you control over your life. That's the biggest message. You are gaining control over your life. You're going back to the way it was in the garden. So what do you do in calling? What do you do in trial? What do you do to maintain the calling position. You're surrendering to come in. This is very important that you get this. You receive revelation. When you surrender, you receive revelation. God will never give revelation to a man that's not surrendered. So in the trial, how do you maintain this position? Change the mind, praise, and give thanks. So when you enter into position of being perfected in this, how do you maintain that position? We've talked about surrender. We talked about repentance. We talked about giving thanks. We talked about prayer. One thing we haven't talked about, meditation. Because, you know, when you're in a trial, you ain't going to meditate on nothing. You're going to hold on to the truth that you hadn't become yet. That's all you got is that revelation. So when you come out of the war and you enter that rest, it's going to be pretty easy to meditate. So that's how you maintain that position. So meditation maintains that position. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Salon anymore. You don't slink around Dead End Road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's Word, and you chew on the Scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always blossoming. See what meditation will do? Prayer won't do that. Joshua 1.8. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or the right, as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for one minute let this book of Revelation be out of your mind. 
Ponder it, meditate on it day and night, make sure you practice everything written in it, and then you'll get where you're going and you'll be successful. So now you're moving on to establish. Establish means this, to cause to be widely known and accepted. That's what establish means. It also means to put in position that will last a long time. So it's not a temporary position. No more temporary blessings. No more temporary relationships. Doesn't it hurt when relationships leave? It's because it's the wrong relationship. But when God puts relationships in your life, this is where God puts you in position where things and people will last a long time, causing you to be known and accepted. So that's a new spiritual position. The word establish means grounded. Psalm 90:17. Let the beauty and delightfulness and favor of our Lord be upon us. Confirm, establish the works of our hands. Yes, the works of our hands. Confirm and establish it. So God is resting on us in this position. His presence is now on us in this position to confirm and establish the works of your hands. You see, his presence will always be his approval in the works of my hands, whether it's in business, whether it's in marriage. If I can carry his presence, Whatever I put my hand to is approved by God. It's going to prosper. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Christ Jesus, the master. Now live in him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You'll know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. So he's saying, go ahead with what you've been given. That means revelation. Now you've become that revelation. He is now the revelation living in you. So before you live it, you have to be strengthened. Now keep in mind, we're still in our position of rest. These three positions are a season of rest. Zechariah ten twelve. Every square foot of land will be marked by homecoming. They'll sail through the troubled seas, brush aside brash ocean waves. Roaring rivers will turn into a trickle. Gaudi Assyria will be stripped bare. Bully Egypt exposed as fraud. But my people, I'll make them strong. There's another version that says he'll strengthen you to walk up and down. That means you have dominion to get third heaven counsel when you need it and walk in this dominion and have dominion. So I can go up there and walk around and come down here and walk around. We can walk between both worlds anytime, heaven and earth, walk up and down and glory in his name. Beware of Satan in this position, in this strengthening position. Beware of him because, listen, he comes adverse to you here. He's coming adverse to you. In the strengthening, he's coming with temptation. Colossians 2.8, Message Bible. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you. It's the same devil that was mad at you in the trial. Now he's coming as an angel of light. He'll dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into an endless argument that will never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly.
You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, the fullness comes together for you, too. His power extends over everything. All right, let's go on to settled. When you pass this test of temptation, as soon as you pass the test, grace comes because you are obedient. This is another level of grace that you haven't experienced before. And it's taking you in to being settled. And all the five positions that you just went through have come together. Everything's coming together. You're settled in this thing. God puts you on your feet for good right there. That means you'll never have to go back to what you went through. You'll never have to deal with that person, whoever it was again. 1 Peter 1.9, at the same time you receive the, the result, the outcome, the consummation of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So what it's saying is your faith has now come to an end. But faith doesn't come to an end. What faith is he talking about? The faith that came when you received the revelation way back here. That's this faith that's working with you. And when you've passed all these tests and he settles you, that faith has now ended because it has gotten that revelation established in you, formed in you. Christ himself has now come into his home. So faith came at the hearing. Faith ends when we become the revelation. Jesus is looking for your love. He's not looking for your preaching or your teaching. He's looking for your love. John 14, 21, Amplified. The person who has my commandments, now a commandment is a revelation. So when he reveals a word to you, that's a commandment. And keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. This sounds conditional. And I too will love him. And I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. How do you know the Father really loves you? Now, we know that he got us saved, but we're talking about a whole different dynamic of things right now. How do you know he really loves you? What comes from daddy? There's something that comes from him once he gives him yourself. Let's go to James 1.17. So, my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is no deceitful in God, nothing two-faced about him, not fickling. He has brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of his creatures. How do you know the Father loves you? By every good gift. Jesus doesn't bless you. Jesus saves you. The Father blesses you with every good gift. These are the things that a good daddy does, but he does nothing until we come into what? Fellowship with his son. And this is how you do it. John 14, 22 and 23, Amplified Version. Judas, not as scared as it, asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself? Make yourself real to us and not the world. Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. Now, most of the church thinks that Jesus is in them. He's not. At what point do they come in? Perfect. That's when love is perfected. And it's not perfected until they're in here. Now you're established. Now they can strengthen you. Now they can settle you. Can you imagine God? And his son 
living in your head? Can you imagine that? What kind of thoughts do you think you would have? John 14, 26. But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place. The Father didn't say, I'm going to send Jesus and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, no, I'm sending the Holy Spirit in the place of my son and in the place of me. In my place to represent me and act on behalf of me, he will teach you all things and will cause you to recall and remind you and bring to remembrance everything that I've told you. So revelation is something he's telling you. And the Holy Spirit keeps bringing it back, keeps bringing it back, keeps bringing it back. When we get in that trial, we push it out, we push it out, we push it out. You're settled in dominion. And once that happens, this process starts all over again. But one thing you can be assured, that this suffering, you feel it less and less and less to where you don't even feel it anymore, but you know you're in the trial. Isn't that a blessed place to be? You've got to say, Lord, I surrender to a relationship with you. This order and the instruction that comes with the order is introducing authority to you because we are not the authority. We are delegated authorities. So we don't have the authority until the authority is in us, and that's him. We have power, but we don't have authority over our circumstances. We have power to get through the circumstance, but I want authority to get rid of that circumstance. Remember, the person of Jesus, the person of God, wants their home. When you die, Jesus wants to see himself. He's coming to it back to a bride that he can see himself in the bride. 